Good morning. Welcome to Christ Community Church. We are so pleased to have you here whenever it is for you. Um, for us, it's a beautiful, blustery Sunday morning for you. It's whatever it is you're dealing with outside your window. Uh, if this is your first time joining us, or your hundredth time joining us, or you've just never done it before, I want to encourage you, uh, whether in the house or watching via cam or, you know, Wednesday night, uh, do go and visit us at c3ak.com slash hello. Fill out a, uh, an electronic visitor form just to let us know you were here, just to let us connect with you. Um, we want to know you. We want to, uh, we want to give a shout out to you. And while you're f visiting, uh, filling that out and you're at c3ak.com, I would encourage you, if, if you're not real familiar with us, just take a, a minute to look around. You can see um, blog posts. You can see other information about us. And uh, it'll give you a better sense of who and what we are uh, in this time where it can be a little weird to learn who and what we are. So do go and do that. Not um, once the music starts because you want to engage in that, but at some other point in time. Um, if you are joining us via, via YouTube, uh, I would encourage you, parents with uh, little ones, big ones, little ones, in-between ones, uh, go and visit uh, c3ak.com slash kidprint. You can fill out some, uh, you can print out some activity sheets uh, that the kids can work on while, uh, while the grown-ups are talking. But uh, you know what? Let them listen to the grown-up talk because uh, kids are smarter and wiser than you want to admit. Um, as always, we are a praying church, so um, whatever your circumstance, whatever the circumstance of those around you, if you need prayer, do be sure to send an email to prayer at c3ak.com, um, and then that email will go directly to our prayer team. Whatever it is your need is, whatever it is going on in your life, life of somebody you know, you can share that with our prayer team, and you can be assured that um, within moments, within days, other folks will be praying about your need, whatever it might be, um, and it's our honor and privilege to do that. If your prayer is of a more personal nature and you don't want to share that with maybe a bunch of people you don't know, you can uh, send a prayer request directly to Pastor Tracy at C3AK.com, Pastor Jason at C3AK.com. And uh, when we get those, we share those only between the two of ourselves. Uh, and again, we are honored and privileged to be praying uh, for you, with you, and uh, taking your petitions, your needs, and lifting them up before the Father. Uh, that's mostly it. I would encourage you to check out uh, the website. You can find information there on uh, financial giving. You can find out information there uh, about other uh, ministry opportunities we have, including Claire House, which uh, we'll mention more later. And uh, in the meantime, I would encourage you right now to just, whatever you're doing, set aside other random thoughts of this day or this coming week and uh, prepare yourself to engage with the Father and whatever it is he has to share with you this morning. Father, I just pray you would come now, you would dwell in this place, you would abide with us here, you would come and you would speak to each and every heart and mind and soul and spirit, Father. Uh, help us to be prepared to seek out what it is you would have to say to us individually and uh, collectively uh, and give us the strength and courage and obedience to act upon whatever it is you share. Come now, Father, and help us to make this time truly and wholly devoted to you, and accept what we bring to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, I'm excited to sing with you. I invite you to stand with us if you'd like. The words we hear on the screen behind me. The day is brighter. You with you. 
Tonight is lighter than it's you would lead me to believe, which leads me to believe. You make everything glorious. You make everything glorious. You make everything glorious, and I am yours. What does that make me? My eyes are small, but they have seen the beauty of enormous things which leads me to believe there's light enough to see that you make everything glorious you make everything glorious you make everything glorious and I am yours from glory opportunity to come here on this Sunday to praise you, to lift you up. And we do that because of the love and the mercy that you pour out and share on us every day in every way. Through all, all times of hardship and all times of great joy, we can turn and know that your presence is right beside us. Here in this room, we know that every person contains a part of your presence in the Holy Spirit. We know that you are here and with us always present in this time. Stay with us, be with us, lift us up, and accept our praise and worship this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm. 
Well, amen. It was a, it was a challenging morning around here, but, but we made it through. And now my mic stand is fighting with me. Settle down. It's all right. So thankful for all of those who come and, and work and help and assist with uh, the technical stuff and the music stuff. It's nice to uh, be able to depend on them and, and the work that they do to bring this all together for us. So uh, if you get a chance to see one of those folks, just tell them thank you uh, because they play a huge part in everything that happens here every Sunday morning. Uh, we're going to be in... A couple of different passages today, but we're going to start out in Psalms 147. So if you've got a Bible or a, a digital Bible on your phone or whatever, and you want to go there with me this morning, you can jump over there. We're still uh, taking some time here out of our series in Mark to try and find some words of encouragement in Scripture. Uh, Pastor Jason took the first week of that, and uh, then last week I, I spoke to you about uh, having peace, and that the foundation of having peace in our lives is really challenging to what level do we believe that Jesus is who he says he is and that he can do what he says he can do. And so uh, hopefully this past week as you've wrestled with things in your life or just the circumstances of the world you uh, had a chance maybe to think through some of that or if some of that came back to you and the Lord worked with you in your life about your belief in him because we talked about the difference between just saying that we believe something but then living like it's really true. And those are not the same thing. We're going to kind of touch in the same vein today, a little bit close to it, but, but it, it moves off a little bit. And so I want you to just look with me first at Psalm 147. Now, this entire psalm is, is really lovely, and I would encourage you to read the, the whole thing. We're just going to focus on verses 7 through 11 right now, and I'm going to use that to jump off into some other thoughts just for a brief time this morning, and hopefully this will be encouraging to you and maybe enlightening about some things in your life. And uh, like I always uh, tell folks, Karen and I had this discussion last week, um, I don't, I'm not speaking to you from a, a position of superiority. I don't have all this figured out. I'm able to go through and see some truth in Scripture and hopefully bring that to the, to the conversation here that, that we're allowed to have through, through preaching, this foolishness the Bible calls it, preaching. But I'm talking to me as much as I'm talking to you. And so we're in this journey together. Don't ever take this as... Uh, I'm telling you what to do. I'm trying to help us understand what the Bible is teaching us about the kingdom of God, the economy of God, who God is, what he wants for us, what he believes about us, what he wants us to believe about him. And so uh, be assured that, that myself and everyone around you, that this struggle that we face, which is life, is the common struggle. And anybody who presents themselves as if they've got it all figured out or that, uh, you know, if they're teaching to you something and they teach it as a dogmatic truth and then basically present themselves as if they have perfectly uh, fulfilled whatever it is they told you, as far as I'm concerned, that's almost always an illusion because we struggle, we stumble, 
we doubt. Um, take your pick. Anything, and, and it's interesting because uh, we also understand that Jesus faced the temptation to, to be sidelined and sidetracked by all of the same things that we encounter. The Bible says that there's no struggle that we face that Jesus did not also encounter, but that is what sets him apart. That is what reveals to us that he is who he says he is, is that he faced those same struggles, those same encounters, but he is the only one who never failed in the face of those. And so he teaches us a way in which to live, but he also offers us grace because he understands that we won't always hit the mark, all right? Now that alone should be encouraging to you that you're not alone. Everybody misses the mark and Jesus provides grace because he knows, he understands that we're gonna miss the mark sometimes. So here we are, but we're gonna look at a mark that we try to achieve out of this scripture. So, sing to the Lord with thanksgiving, make melody to our God on the lyra. He covers the heavens with clouds, he prepares rain for the earth. Now this, this first part, and really the, the part right before this in 147, the psalmist is, is just talking about the greatness of God. He's, he's, he's pretty joyous here, he's pretty exuberant, like he, he's excited. This is a fun psalm for him to write, it's springing from this joyous place in his heart, and so he talks then here about, he says, here's what we should do, we should sing to the Lord, be thankful, play an instrument. This happened to be a stringed harp type instrument. But sing to the Lord. And then he gives some reasons why, some more reasons why. He, there's a lot of this. And actually, this section of Psalms, if you were to go to the left and to the right of, these, of Psalm 147, you would find more of this kind of language in some of the surrounding Psalms. It says, because after all, we should praise God with thanksgiving because he covers the heavens with clouds he prepares rain for the earth. He makes grass grow on the hills. He gives to the beasts their food and to the young ravens that cry. His delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor his pleasure in the legs of a man. But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him and in those who hope in his steadfast love. And that's the place I want to land today. So we understand talking about the, the great qualities of God, and we could come up with a, a list much broader, and the psalmist does in many other places. You know, the heavens with clouds, the rain for the earth, the grass that grows on the hill, the food for the beasts. We could, we could expand that list of all of the things that we understand that God does and that spring from who God is, and it would be a magnificent list. But at the end of this short list that he makes here, he arrives at something else that is so important to us. He says, this great God, the one who does all of these incredible things, he also takes pleasure in those who fear him. He takes pleasure in those who hope in his steadfast love. Now, I wanted to find pleasure there because we tend to think of it in worldly terms and, and there's an element of that. Is, is God pleased? Does he smile? Does he go, hmm, that's nice? Sure, sure. Uh, in fact, we go back to Genesis, which we're going to be in Genesis, but we're not going to go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1. Remember what happened when God created, and this is Jesus, the, the creative force 
at the beginning of creation when he spoke everything into being, let's say for instance, because we talked about the beasts of the field here, when he created the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, he created those and when he's finished, what did he say? Is good, right? He, he was pleased. Don't ever ascribe to God that the emotions and feelings that we have, that, that those aren't from him. Because he gave us those. Now, he also teaches us, in, teaches us in scripture that those emotions and those feelings should be disciplined. We shouldn't be ruled by our passions, but we also shouldn't just cut those off. And sometimes I think we make this mistake that when we think of who God is, we set him up as some sort of a, an unfeeling, unsympathetic, uninterested puppet master who's running the world, who's master of the universe, but doesn't really care about our microscopic circumstance in regard to the universe. But it's just not true, and we see it over and over and over again. That's a, that's a lie that we might tell ourselves, and it's certainly a lie that the enemy will tell us so that we will, will feel separated from God in our circumstances. But the Bible tells us from beginning to end that he cares and that he takes pleasure in those who fear him. But his pleasure is not just, ooh, that's good. His pleasure is also that when we fear God, when we revere him, when we hold him in his rightful place of awe and wonder, and we don't dismiss him, we don't treat him in a way that he is, he is not worthy to be treated, when we, if we don't approach God as both that, that, ogre-ish type puppet master, or some people, we might approach him as our cosmic vending machine, right? Well, look, if I put in a couple of quarters, then God will give me this. Uh, uh, a, a universalistic jack uh, slot machine. <laughs> Pull God's arm and see if I get a prize. If we don't treat him that way, but we put him in his place of honor, and we revere him, we fear him, we have awe of his wonders. Not only does God say, oh, that's good, but it also allows God to do. His pleasure is more than just something that he feels. His pleasure is something that he does. He works in our lives. Because see, to do any of those other things, to, to put God in a place where he doesn't belong and to treat God in a way that he does not deserve, see, that, that's what we call sinful. It's an offense against God. To treat God like our occasional friend or our puppy dog or our servant at our beck and call only when we have trouble, but when things are great, we're not really thinking about him. To do any of those things, honestly, my friends, the word for that is sin. And Isaiah says that our sin will separate us from God so that he does not hear us. If he does not hear us, he doesn't know our, our trouble in the way that we want him to know. And 
He doesn't work in our lives the way that we might wish that he would work. And so if we make sure that we do as the psalmist says here, that we fear the Lord and put him in his rightful place, he takes pleasure in that. And that pleasure allows him to work in our lives. The second thing he says is, the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love. And that's really where I want to land, is his steadfast love. Steadfast isn't a word that we use a lot in modern, at least American, English language. But it's a great word. It's interesting, if you go and do a word search through the rest of the Bible, you find it about 218 times. And also interesting, to me anyway, might not be to you. If it's not, you can bypass this part. In the Old Testament, frequently when it says steadfast in the Hebrew, it is speaking about the love of God. In the New Testament, when it says the word steadfast, it is frequently speaking about our actions and motivations toward God before the new covenant and after the new covenant. The covenant of Jesus Christ, his blood, his salvation for us. Not entirely sure what to make of that, but I thought it was interesting and it's worth noting, maybe, maybe worthy of some further contemplation. But steadfast, the, the picture here is, is of a ship out on, the sh out on the sea in a great storm and it has an anchor and a chain that it throws into the water and it sinks down to the depths and it finds a place for that anchor to hold that no matter what happens, it cannot be pulled out. Steadfast, unmoving, unchanging, always trustworthy. I've been on a couple of boats actually with uh, friends where, and it's uh, usually been in Homer, where we anchored up to fish for halibut, which, anybody go halibut fishing this summer? Anybody, did you? Awesome. Um, you've been halibut fishing before, probably. It's a lot like work. Uh, I love halibut, and I love being on the ocean generally, although the ocean frightens me. Uh, it's big, and you know, you're floating. If you stop floating, that's bad out in the middle of the ocean. It's just, it's just one of those things. But we've, uh, we've anchored up a few times, and then when we get ready to go, we, we go, hey, pull up the anchor, and we'll be in about 110 feet of water, 90 feet of water. We can't pull it. And then we get the boat, we kind of try to see which way is the, the rope, the chain going. And so then we'll take the boat around to the other side and pull it that direction to see if we can pull it out from underneath. And 99 times out of 100, we've gotten it out. But there have been a couple of times where we broke the rope or broke the anchor. The anchor would come up and a piece of it would be broken off because it was so firmly held. And that's the picture of God's love for us here. See, if we ever suspect that our stumbles, our struggles, our, our mistakes, and I'm not talking about willful sin, you know, where you, you look at something and you go, hmm, that's wrong. 
I'm going to give that a shot. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying genuine mistakes where we find ourselves in trouble and maybe we find ourselves in sin and we realize it, we repent, we want to, to come away from that and we want to be restored. In those moments, never ever let yourself believe that God's love is not enough for you to come back. Never ever be convinced that God's love is not sufficient to cover every mistake. Because he can. Because his, his love is steadfast. It is an anchor that holds in the greatest storms and never comes loose. Now, this is where, kind of like we talked about peace last week, I ask you to sort of look at your own life and say, hmm, am I enjoying the benefit of that steadfast love in my life? Do I really believe that about God's love? Or do I see myself sometimes behaving in a way that I'm not sure that God's love really is that great? And like I said earlier, sometimes I miss the mark. Probably you do too. But I would suggest this to you and to me. In those times when the love of God or my understanding of the love of God is not enough to soothe me, to calm me, to... Uh, bring me to good senses to, to help me manage my reaction to a circumstance or a moment or an event? Is it possible? In fact, is it likely that the reason it's not enough, the reason that I feel that God's love is not enough is because I'm actually putting my trust in something or someone else? Have I elevated someone else in my life to the place where they are my comfort, they are my anchor, they are my strength? And that's not to say that you shouldn't have, you know, uh, your significant other, your spouse, your loved one, a brother, a sibling, uh, a sister, you know, any, a great personal friend, you know, the best friend in your life. It's not that they shouldn't be a support to you, but they shouldn't be paramount over God. They shouldn't take the place of God's presence and anchor in your life. And I think we see this with a lot of people. And, and I would say that if we find ourselves in that circumstance, that it actually then becomes a form of idolatry. You go, whoa, whoa, that's pretty strong there, preacher. I, I didn't, uh, I don't have a golden calf sitting out somewhere that I'm worshiping or, you know, a, a, an altar to the prophet of prophets of Baal set up in my living room in case God doesn't come through for me. It's not like that. But listen, fundamentally, the sin of idolatry is trusting in anything other than God to bring us lasting peace, joy, salvation, prosperity, security. 
or even just a sense of well-being. Idols are things that we invest our hearts in, and before they, we know it, they become a control over our choices, our moods, our emotions, priorities, time management, the use of money, actions, our speech. And the way that you will know if something has become a bit of an idol in your life is in, in the way that it influences in you in those things. Excuse me, moods, um, thoughts, actions, emotions, uh, the management of time and money and all those things in their lives. The way that you know it's become an idol is when it begins to lead you to do, say, think, believe things that are contrary to who God is. They will contradict God's revealed will and purpose for your life. The author Tim Keller, he's a great thinker, great uh, Christian apologist and, and disciple maker. He says, the human, this is how he puts it, he says, the human heart is an idol factory that takes good things like a successful career, love, material possessions, even family, and turns them into our ultimate things. Our hearts deify them. Our hearts make them gods as the center of our lives because we think they, they can give us significance and security and safety and fulfillment if we attain them. And you see that with people often. You know, if I could just make more money, if I could just have a better job, if I could just get married, if I just had kids, um, fill in the blank with whatever. Fill in the blank with whatever you've wrestled with in your own life. And the instant we do that, in order to gain our satisfaction, in order to gain our sense of self-worth, we have made something of greater importance in our lives than the steadfast love of God. We can look at some of this happening in the life of uh, a guy named Abraham. Uh, he's considered to be, because the Lord promised him, the father of the Jewish nation. God founded the people who are the Jews in the lineage of Abraham. And God promised that to Abraham when he was about 70 years old. And then it didn't happen until he was 99 years old. We go, why, why, is there this, why is there this 20 plus year gap between the promise and the fulfillment? And a lot of it has to do with Abram, as he was called, because God renamed him Abraham later, it had to do with Abram and his attitude towards God. And we see this um, in, uh, I don't have my text here. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Can you pull up Genesis 15? Yes, thank you. All right, I, I, my notes are weird, but I'm going to try and make it through this. So after these things, which is 
that when he was 70, God spoke to him and said, I'm, I'm going to make this covenant with you, and, and great things are going to happen if you'll follow me. After these things happened, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, and he said, Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of, of Damascus. All right, so let's just take this, this phrasing here, this conversation with God. Now, this is the second time that God has made a promise to Abraham about a covenant, not the first time, the second time. So at some point in, in the past, God and Abraham got together. God told him, I'm going to have this great favor on you. I just, I need you to follow me. I need you to be faithful. I need you to, to do the things that I ask you to do. And then here, about 82, 83 years old is when this conversation happens. So if you go back to Genesis 12, you'll find the first time that God speaks to Abraham and tells him, I'm going to make a covenant with you, and he's 70 years old. We come here to Genesis 15. The covenant is confirmed here in just a moment by, by a sacrifice that God asks Abraham to make. But understand the back and forth here. The Lord came to Abraham in a vision, and he said, Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. And Abraham went, oh, that's awesome. No. He went, but, 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 what are you going to give me? I still don't have a child. I don't have any heirs. How can I have a great nation come from me when I don't even have any children of my own? And then he says, I, I love this language. I wish I could have heard the inflection in Abram's voice when he said this. He says, but what are you going to give me? I'm still childless. And my cousin, Eleazar, he's my heir right now. Seriously? Have you seen Eleazar at the latest family gathering? He, like picks his nose and eats mayonnaise on his chocolate cake and and he's from Damascus. Really? And Abraham goes on. He says, Behold, you've given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said, This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. Now remember, Abraham's 82, and this still doesn't happen for another 17 years. What was Abram's problem here? He was elevating his version of events, how he thought this was supposed to play out in his life. Remember, God revealed his will, and we said earlier that anything that becomes an idol is anything that contradicts or leads us away from or opposes God's revealed will in our lives. God had revealed his will to Abraham. He said, I'm going to make you great, and it's going to come from your line. Time passed. God is working with Abram to, to, for him to become the man that he needs for him to be, for this covenant to be made complete. They come together again. God reassures him that I'm, I'm going to make this great covenant with you, but we see that Abram is still not 
where God needs him to be. Because he's all wrapped up in, I don't have a child yet. If I just had a child, if I just had my child, God, I would believe you. And see, that's, that's the problem. Is it so often we're not anchored in the steadfast love of God because we want God to prove it somehow beyond his word? But he asks us to believe him, to take him at his word. His steadfast love endures forever, the Bible says. But even here, does God then get angry with Abram? Abram says, what are you, what are you talking about? I, you said this to me before, but I still don't have a child. My goofy cousin is my heir right now, and I can't stand the thought of that. How can that possibly be? And God doesn't go, oh, Abraham, I'm so upset with you. I told you this before. You should have listened to me the first time. It's a great... It's a great little phrase here. I, I don't know what it looks like exactly. Then it says, Behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he, God, brought him, Abram, outside. He said, Come out here. Stand with me here. Look up there. You see all those stars? That's how many your descendants are going to be. Like the stars in the heavens. Your offspring shall be that. And it'll come from your son. Not from goofy, goofy Eleazar over there. And then it says that Abraham believed the Lord and that God counted that belief to Abraham as righteousness. Now, if you go on over to Genesis chapter 17 and, and read that, you'll find then God gets really specific about this covenant. And at this time, the Bible says that Abraham and Sarah are old. Beyond childbearing years is the picture that we get. And yet God comes to Abraham and says, you're going to have a son. And Abraham goes, right. And lo and behold, she becomes pregnant and, and Isaac is born. Beautiful story. Believe in the steadfast love of God. Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 33, and this will wrap us up. Jesus, speaking on this same topic, te teaching to this same issue that Abram faced, and we see it in so many of the other heroes of the Bible, I know you see it in your life. Jesus giving us comfort. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? 
Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you have of little faith. That's not an accusation, by the way. It's kind of like when, you're, when your kid's upset, crying, struggling. You go, oh, dude, come here. You'll be okay. It's all. You've you got this little faith. Listen to me. Because of all the things I just said, therefore, don't be Anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, saying those who don't believe in God at all. They seek after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. So we arrive at the end of this text and we arrive at the end of this message with this encouragement because we say, okay, we started at the beginning. I, we talked about who God is. We, I want God to take pleasure in me. I want him to, uh, I want to put him in his proper place in my life. I want to have the proper awe and respect and fear for the Lord. And, and I want to depend on his steadfast love. I don't want to have other idols in my life. I don't want other things to come along and be paramount over who God is and who he should be with me in my life. So how do I do that? Because, because man, life is hard and I'm, I'm anxious about this and I'm worried about that and I'm, I'm troubled over this and I'm not sure how this is going to pan out and, and there's so much uncertainty and this and this and blah, 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 blah and that's our blah before God sometimes. And he says, here's the remedy. Seek the kingdom of God first over anything else. Seek him and his righteousness. And all of these other things they will be taken care of. And so I leave you with this. If you find at times, maybe just occasionally, or maybe life is really messing with you right now, you find yourself worrying, in fear, anxious, trying to muscle your way through your own trials and troubles and and struggles, trying to provide your own solutions, looking to worldly things to give you comfort, looking to other people to satisfy the longings that you have. 
the reason those aren't working is because they'll never satisfy you or fulfill you. And if you want your life to have more meaning and purpose and for those things to become less of a struggle and, and, and you don't want to idolize your own methods above the steadfast love of Jesus, then get busy seeking God for his kingdom in your life. You say, well, how do you do that? Guys, it, it's the same thing we always teach you. Pray. God will speak to you. It is a two-way conversation. His Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us, is sealed upon us. He, he dwells within the heart of the believer and he can speak to you in prayer. He can speak to you in circumstance. He can speak to you through scripture. He can speak to you through preaching. He can speak to you through blessed holy conversation with other believers in whom the Spirit of God dwells. Don't treat prayer as a one-way avenue of telling God what you want or what you think or what you're mad about or whatever. Do that. That's great. He wants to hear all of those things. Cast your cares upon him, he says. But please, please make time to be still and listen. That's how you seek his kingdom. It's not the work we do, it's not the effort we make, it is the time that we spend with God. And the way that he has provided for us to communicate with him is through prayer and the scriptures and discipleship with one another based in what he's taught us in the word. Complicated and not complicated at the same time, right? But I can't give you any better resolution than that. Pray. Speak. And listen for the word of God. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, thank you so much for the, the beauty of your word, these teachings that are ancient and yet still today have meaning and application to our very present moment. Lord, I pray that you will move us to allow you into the circumstances of our lives to seek you, to honor you with our words and with our actions. And Lord, help us to identify places where we are depending on anything but your steadfast love to be our anchor. And then give us the courage and the wisdom to hold on to you instead. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, going to sing one last song together this morning.
so great to have had you here with us this morning, both here in the house and by live stream. Hope that you are blessed. We're going to wrap up with a couple of videos today. The first is uh, with our latest update from the Bats family, and uh, we'll show them here in just a second. And uh, again, if you have any extra giving that you're able to do this month, missions giving, you can uh, donate that uh, through our online portals, write a check. Just make sure that you designate that extra to missions or to BATS, B-A-T-T-S. And uh, we have that available through text to give the online giving portal, PayPal, um, whatever other stuff you can find that at c3ak.com slash donate. And I hope that you'll take advantage of that. And then as soon as uh, Jason's finished, we'll run that video. And then there's a video behind that that is actually uh, from last week's Psalm, Psalm uh, 34 by Shane and Shane. We're going to run that. Uh, it ran successfully on a stream the other night without getting flagged by YouTube. But for those of you on the stream, if it gets flagged by YouTube uh, for copyright content, we'll drop the stream. But the link is in the chat, I believe. And uh, you can click on it there and go watch it. And we'll finish watching it here in-house. So Jason, what do you got? And uh, as soon as he's done, run that Bats video for us, please. Uh, just to let everybody know, this is our week don't know, Clare House is an emergency shelter for women and children. Uh, they're currently housing around 50, and uh, we provide a meal the first Friday of every month. This coming Friday is the first Friday of the month, so we're on. Um, I got a message here from Don Rabb saying that uh, we have rolls, dessert, and fruit are covered, but everything else is needed, which I believe everything else would be an entree, salad, vegetables, uh, like four gallons of milk and dessert. So if you can in any way, shape, or form uh, help out with any of that, uh, that would be wonderful. Uh, you can email Don directly at amazinggracellc at gci.net. Uh, if you didn't get that, I will um, be emailing reminders out uh, later today or sometime tomorrow. So uh, anything you can do to help out would be greatly appreciated. And uh, yeah, that's all I got for now. Hi, Christ Community Church. Thank you for um, praying for us and giving um, to the ministry that God is doing in West Africa. Um, we're so encouraged and just grateful for you wanting to join our partnership team. We've given a lot of updates this month. Um, this is what, one last one. Um, we're going to share some next steps for our family and how you can be praying for us throughout the rest of the year. So we, in just a couple of weeks, are moving temporarily to Tennessee, where we are doing a six or seven week French program. We will spend five days a week, five mornings a week, learning French while our kids are being watched by a sweet girl who lives in Tennessee. So you can be praying for us about that language acquisition. After that, uh, we'll spend some time with Alan's family while we wait and pray that God will open the doors for us to get visas and begin our formal language acquisition in January. We don't know where that's gonna be. We're hoping it's in France, we're praying it's in France, but it could be Canada, it could be Switzerland, it could be anywhere. <laughs> so we're just trusting that he'll open that right door for our family. You can always find more up-to-date information on our website, www.batsabroad.com. 
Um, and even this coming week, our newsletter will go out and an additional video to couple with it. So we're looking forward to sharing that with you later this week. We would love to hear from you. So we would love it if you guys would follow us on Instagram or YouTube or Facebook or whatever, or on our blog or shoot us an email. Um, all of our contact information is on the back of our prayer cards. So if there are some there, grab one on your way out. And we'd love to be in touch with you guys after this month also. All right. We'll see you later. I sought the Lord, and He answered me, and delivered me from every fear. And those who look on Him are radiant, and be ashamed. Never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard me and saved me from my enemy, the Son of God. Surrounds his sin.
Yeah. 